Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook, and FA Cup winning left-back, Scott Minto. Coming up, advantage Manchester City in the title race. Mason inspires Spurs comeback. Chelsea turns to Poch as Lampard's wait for a win lingers on. Who's going to take over Manchester United? And we're no closer to knowing who will be relegated. It's the Game Day Podcast from Talk Sport. Hello, hello. Good morning, Alex Crook. Good morning, Scott Minto. It's morning for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, it may not be morning for you. Uh, but it's been a very quick turnaround for Scott and I and Crook. Because uh, on Thursday night, we were all at games. Uh, Scott and I are coming, trying to get out of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. That traditionally takes about seven and a half hours, I think, just to get from one end of the road to the other. Um, the trans, the stadium's wonderful, isn't it, right? It's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's space age. Food's good. There's cheese and biscuits, Scott. It's wonderful. Sam, um, two things. One, I saw you munching into those cheese and biscuits, which if I hadn't been talking so much, yeah. I would have done the same. Two, happy birthday for Thursday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, And I, I indulged. I did. I had cheese and biscuits. I had the, the, the Oreo dessert cheesecake thing. I had everything. But I, I needed the sustenance because of the almost marathon-like journey that it is to get to your car or your train or your hotel after you've finished at Tottenham. It is the worst connected stadium in terms of transport in the world, honestly. Uh, I, I remember going to uh, Fortaleza in uh, the 2014 World Cup and you had to do a three-mile walk from the outer perimeter of the stadium uh, to get actually into the ground. And, and that's what it feels like every time you go to Tottenham Hotspur. It's just a nightmare to get to. Great stadium, wrong place. Or at least at least a built a tube or something. And oh crikey, it's a, it's a nightmare. But anyway, enough about the stadium. It was uh, it was a great game to be at, wasn't it? Do you know what? It was a brilliant game and it had a bit of everything. And you, you're trying to avoid the kind of the cliche um game of two halves, but that's exactly what it was. I mean, United Cook would be livid, really, if he'd have seen the first half and you'd have told him that they were going to go and draw the game because they were in such control weren't they in that first half and yet actually you got the feeling that if one team was going to go and score one more goal it it would have been Spurs. Uh, Harry Kane um, looked as if he was auditioning for a role in the Manchester United team. Um, Is he still on the radar do you think? Very much so but I think there's a a fear (laughs) coming out of Tottenham about Maurizio Pochettino and his impending arrival at Chelsea. We know those two have a special connection. We know Chelsea are desperate for a number nine. Will Daniel Levy sell to Chelsea? (laughs) Highly unlikely. I think Manchester United, if he stays in the Premier League, still his most likely destination. But you have to ask, where does that leave Tottenham? How do they possibly replace their record goal scorer? 
Well, they've got a lot of things to replace at Tottenham Hotspur, but could you imagine the ire, the irksome feeling, the atmosphere inside that wonderful stadium um, if Daniel Levy sold Harry Kane to Pochettino and the two of them, Tottenham legends, turned up at Stamford Bridge? <laughs> I don't think Daniel Levy would ever be able to come out of his house ever again. <laughs> do, do you know what? Um, that would be Spurs' worst nightmare. And you listen to Spurs fans, both on and on off-air, and they're saying, look, we, I'd we, say latest worst nightmare, Scott, because they have quite a few. Yeah, of them well, that's there. true. I mean, that, listen, Chelsea are in a worse situation. Yes. Than them. Let's, and, and, let's, and let's be honest about it. It feels but. like it's kind of level. And yet if you look at the table, you know, Tottenham <laughs> still mathematically have a chance of a Champions League place and Chelsea yeah. are in the bottom half. So, look, it, it would be their, their worst nightmare, though. Uh, Poch going, I, I don't understand why Levy didn't want in there. Um, he would have been perfect for them. It's not going to happen. Harry Kane's definitely not going to happen, though. And the Spurs fans, they, they say, look, I don't know why he stays. He shouldn't stay. He should go, but, but he won't go to Chelsea. Um, Alexander Isak was absolutely terrific last night. You love away him. At Everton. I do love him. He was brilliant, but I, I think it's pretty obvious why I love him, because he's terrific. Did you see that? Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? It was like watching Dancing on Ice. He pirouetted three times, a triple Salco, into the corner, took on every single player in the Everton shirt and then laid it across the goal for Murphy to tap him from two yards out. Amazing. Literally, if, you, if you'd watch that clip on YouTube and don't draw, you need help. Um, but Everton do need help, don't they? Oh. Well, we were speaking last night, Sam, as I was trying to entertain you and keep you awake on your, your voyage back to Manchester. What you usually get as a guarantee from a Sean Dyche team is that they're defensively resolute and watertight. And they started that way, that memorable 1-0 win against Arsenal live on TalkSport. But they've had a couple of batterings, haven't they? They got battered at Arsenal. They should have been battered at Manchester United. Gave away so many chances in that game. And they got battered at home on Thursday night. I really fear for Everton. They've got a horrendous run in. Again, we flip-flop from Everton, Leicester to Leeds. At the moment, I think... Everton firmly on my radar to fill one of those relegation places. I just can't see a way out. Everton fans turning on Sean Dyche as well. And I think I, I mentioned this before. I, didn't, I, know, I know what you're going to say at me. So I'm ready to catch the, oh, look, you're sticking up for Frank Lampard again, um, Barb, which is about to come my way. But I said it to you before. This is Everton. New manager bounce. Everybody goes, yeah, that's exactly what we wanted. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks down the line, you start to see what Everton are really about, which is, they, they lack a little bit of resilience. They, they will under the pressure. And as soon as that new manager bounce, that new sort of feeling of, of, of everything that's going to be wonderful dissipates, they end up chucking in performances like this. And already, already, you've got fans ringing up the sports bar questioning the tactics of Sean Dyche. I, I, listen, you, you're going to have that. As a manager, especially if you're down there, unless you win there is always going to be a questioning of tactics. They come up against a side that could quite easily finish third, which you, when you think at the start of the season is is incredible. You, you're right to talk about Isak in, in the way that you are. And I would love to hear a little bit of your commentating, you know, in a dancing on ice style or the two of you as he waltzes through uh, the Everton defence. But it was really poor defending and... Look, Everton have been struggling for many a year. And I think you're right to bring up the Frank Lampard thing. There's one of half a dozen, if not more, very good managers that are really struggling with that club. And Sean Dyche is another one. And the fact that he came out post-match and said, 
look, if we if we wilt like that, we will go down or, or, or words to that effect and paraphrasing once this, the second goal went in. That is really worrying signs. And I said on um, uh, the, the Fulham Leeds game that I was working on that I felt Everton could go down. I actually thought Leeds would beat Leicester. And with Forest winning as well, you're not just talking about one extra sort of top side or unexpected side to go down. You're probably talking two. Um, Crook said that he would like to start this podcast uh, talking about Bournemouth and then just talk about Bournemouth for 45 minutes. Uh, we're not going to give you that uh, luxury, but we'll give you 45 seconds. Uh, tell us why Super Super Gary is smiling this morning as well. Well, it was another tactical masterclass. You know, they, they had Southampton exactly where they wanted them. Gary O'Neill, I, I think, predicted that uh, Ruben Sellers would once again ignore Paul Onoachu, six foot seven inch striker, even though Bournemouth are very vulnerable, as we all know from set pieces and aerial balls. So I think another mistake from Ruben Sellers. But they dominated large, large parts of the game, Bournemouth. They looked the slicker outfit, they looked the more tactically aware team. Southampton just looked completely rudderless. And you have to go back. And Scott was the first to make the case, actually, for Gary O'Neill being a contender for manager of the season. I've been banging that drum for a while now. When he took over, this was a group of players who, by their own manager, Scott Parker's admission, weren't good enough for the Premier League. They just lost 9-0 at Liverpool. By the end of April, they're pretty much mathematically safe. They could finish above Chelsea. I think it's a remarkable story. And he will be rewarded because the contract terms were an 18-month deal but there would be a year's extension automatically triggered if and when Bournemouth secured survival. So I think he's earned that reward, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in the summer and how they kick on next season now. Uh, that Gary O'Neill statue uh, uh, being commissioned as we speak for outside the Vitality Stadium. Um, but what about Ruben Sellers? Um, when uh, he was appointed as the manager of uh, uh, Southampton, um, the uh, local paper, the Daily Echo, uh, wrote a opinion piece which said why Ruben Sellers' appointment as manager of Southampton is a breath of fresh air. How much oxygen has he got left, Crook? Very little. Uh, again, I've done a story in the notebook this uh, this week. He he won't be Southampton manager at the end of the season. The board know that. I think he knows that. Just not worked out. Started brightly enough when he embarrassed Scott Minto with that win at Chelsea after Scott told this podcast Southampton <laughs> couldn't possibly win at Stamford Bridge. They've only won one game since. I think he's made some bizarre tactical decisions. The the call to continually overlook Onowatu, who they paid £18 million for in January, I think has agitated his paymasters. He's not the only one. Mislav Orsic came into a bit of a fanfare. He's barely featured. I think he's lost his way. He talks a good game. They've not backed it up on the pitch. And a complete reset is needed. Uh, that's uh, one of those predictions that went wrong that doesn't get enough of an airing, isn't it? He went away at just the right time, didn't he, after that? Uh, did you know what? Disappeared. I, it was just before I went away and I actually did text Crookie to say, look, if you want, I can swap roles and get battered on the Monday. And and I think it was, look, we've, we've booked whoever you had in now, so we'll keep it as it is. And that just makes that Chelsea season even worse, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, but uh, Ruben Sellers uh, dresses like crook, so he's all right by him. Uh, I got to be honest with you. Um, I think he, he. The thing about Ruben Sellers is, and it, it, our theme, our constant theme this whole season has been clubs that have appointed interim managers, acting head coaches that aren't qualified to do the job, and just happen to be around when they made uh, the decision to sack the previous guy, um, and and sort of negligence about it. When, when Ruben, I mean, listen, there's there. 
different situations obviously have got different criteria and there's reasons for certain appointments and and, and some for others. But when in particular Stellini and partic- in particular Ruben Sellers, these two clubs, Southampton and Tottenham Hotspur, had things to play for, had really significant things to play for. So Southampton had the chance to stay in the Premier League. That's quite a significant achievement, you know, that to stay in the Premier League. That earns you quite a lot of money. It's quite it's basically your existence. Um, and it's worth taking a gamble or trying to get someone who knows how to manage a football club rather than someone who has been an analyst and an assistant and nothing more. Never took a, a, a team, never picked a team ever before in their life. And the same with uh, Stellini. You know, he's never done it. There was a chance to get into the Champions League. There are, is talent in that squad. There is a team there. They showed that in the second half against Manchester United. It's a very strange... Very tra- strange way of operating. And we will not stop talking about it because it needs to be said. I'm sorry. I think the, these clubs and those owners and those chief executives, whoever allowed those decisions to be made, should be held account because they've cost their football clubs dear. Sam, the, the thing is as well, it's not just the, the football fans seeing their team go down. There's a lot of people within the club behind the scenes that will lose their job off the back of relegation. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's a massive responsibility. And, and to make the, the terrible decisions... That's happened. I mean, I, I quickly knows a little bit more about Sellers and, and the decisions he's made than me because he, he watches Southampton more than me. I don't necessarily blame him. There must be a reason why he doesn't play certain players and what they see, you know, in training every day. I don't I don't get it myself from the outside looking in, but there must be a reason for it. But he's an idealistic coach, isn't he? He's um, if you spoke to him and I, I spoke to him last week, actually, he speaks like he has swallowed the coaching manual from the FIFA pro license course. He, he talks to you as if you're in those, with those buzzwords and those, those catchphrases that you get on the courses. I, I did a, um, a football analyst course last year and um, it, the, the language doesn't make, unless you're in the football world, it, the language doesn't make sense to the layman. I mean, I looked at it and I thought this is, it, it, some of it's blown my mind. Some of the way they talk about certain positions and what people do, and you know, it, you just thought it, you can't convey that to the average guy. And he talks like that. He talks in those sort of football riddles, that that, that lexicon of football coaching that only the very sort of geeky understand. Do you know what? There are a lot of people within football who are trying to reinvent the wheel because they haven't got a sort of football knowledge or football background themselves. So I I, I do get it. And and it's just a real shame that a club like Southampton will be going down, but they will be going down because, you know, we are, Crookie's right, we're changing almost on a weekly game-by-game game basis as to who we think will be going down. But Southampton's always been the one constant, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Um, let's get stuck into the title race now because the pendulum swung firmly in Manchester City's favour following their dismantling of Arsenal on a wicked Wednesday night. Charging through the centre, De Bruyne taking on Gabriel, right footed shot, oh what a goal, what a fantastic goal, brilliant, oh that's amazing. To come up here, right, as contenders and did nothing, and my lot, they just stamped on them. We've seen the governors tonight, and we've seen a load of kids who are pretenders. De Bruyne swings it in towards the far post, Stones is there with a header, a second goal in the first half, Pep Guardiola turns to the heaven. This was a special game today. You could tell walking to the stadium, the excitement of pre-kick-off, the excitement with the crowd, 
and Manchester City players matched that and fueled it. It's been missed by Partey. Haaland back to the left. De Bruyne tries to tease it into the far corner and does so with a plum. I think we made them look that bad we were that good. They're just going to smash it. It's gate the title's over now. Haaland inside the area and scores. And he caps a fantastic Manchester City display. You know who I'm starting to feel sorry for? The man who follows Pep into the job as manager here. <laughs> the important is to have the destiny in our hands. This is uh, the reality. It depends on us and now we have to continue to do it. Oh, what a game this was. Absolutely terrific. City sensational midweek. Arsenal, look, I, I don't want to get into Arsenal last night. We had a bit of a ding-dong, Scott and I, with Hugh Wozencroft on Thursday night talking. Uh, Arsenal, who I loved it. Were heavily criticised. Yeah, we did. We did like it. We did like it because it was a bit of a, it's a bit of a tester. But we, we were sort of sticking up for Arsenal, weren't we? Really, just sort of almost saying that. Let's be honest. They've come up against a team that have just wandered into form. Actually, they're not wandered into form. They've been primed to get into form at exactly the right time. They're peaking at the perfect part of the season, as they they often do. Scott, uh, do you know what? It must have been like you, you've. You know, you're coming up against Muhammad Ali and you know how good they are and, and he is and the reputation that he has. So you're already nervous. You've not done well in your last fight. He's just put someone down in the, the first couple of rounds. You get in the ring with him. Round one, actually, he's even better than you thought it would be. And, and you don't get anywhere near him for the rest. And you know that he's just deciding when he wants to finish it. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it was like. Look, I, I do think we need to give credit to Arsenal. We do need to thank them for at least Are making Arsenal, the... Anthony Joshua and Manchester City, Alexander Usyk. Look, we, we haven't seen the two together, but I would suggest yes. Um, and if you look at the table, Newcastle are third on 62 points. You know, they're over and that's amazing for them to get where they are. But they're the best of the rest after the two that are on 73 and 75 and City have, have got games in hand. Look, you know, Arsenal have been incredible this season and and I've always been constant. I did waver a little bit and wonder whether Arsenal would win the title. But I've always thought in the business end of the season, City have been there, Arsenal haven't. And Arsenal will be better for it going forward. And we'll have to see how they are because I think that a lot of teams around will be better for, for this season, next season. But the football, the style, the the way they've come back at times, the the intensity... It is like watching Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. And look, Arsenal fans should be very proud of that. Would they be and should they be very disappointed how they've gone in the last three or four games? Absolutely. But do you know what? They are the best of the rest. 49 goals for Erling Haaland equals um, the total amassed by Clive Allen in 1987. Um, but Clive didn't have that wonderful mane of hair. Uh, and there was something special about him getting a little, he's brilliant performance over the course of the 90 minutes. And then he decided what he'd do is just rip that bobble out. The mane would flow. And looking like Thor, he brought the <laughs> hammer down on Arsenal right at the very end, didn't he? There was something special about that particular goal, I thought, Crook. It was like he was taking the mickey uh, with the hair, to be honest. But um, obviously, as you keep reminding me, I did refer did to him as a donkey. Did make it better? Because that... That, that hair was out. Let's, don't worry about the donkey comment. We've forgiven you for that. Okay. You, know, you made an idiot <laughs> I, of yourself. I, I thought he was brilliant. We're not going to highlight it. I thought he was brilliant. And not just because of the goal, actually. I think he showed different facets to his game. Brilliant assist. Oh, yeah. He, he deserved his goal because he was so relentless. But Scott's right. A lot of people have banded around bottlers as a phrase for Arsenal. 
I think that's a little bit harsh. I would call them overachievers. I think none of us expected them to be City's nearest challenges. I think it's going to be very difficult, by the way, to replicate that next season when some of the big clubs who've underperformed this year improve. And I just wonder whether the Arsenal fans will stay patient with Mikel Arteta if they find themselves out of the top four in the early parts but of the season. But they'd be idiotic to, to, to not to, wouldn't they, really? Let's speak to Pep Guardiola and, uh, because he's been talking about how he manages to have his team peaking at the right time of the season. Well, we had the feeling that uh, we spoke many times, so one game at a time in different competitions, Champions League, FA Cup and, and Premier League, and I had the feeling that uh, if we win, we'll be there. If we lose, we'll be out. In Premier League, will happen. In FA Cup, of course, the Champions League, the same. And that feeling is really good. You feel the pressure, you feel the, the energy. You said, OK, guys, we cannot lose the game. And the players have an incredible mentality and and good, you know, uh, incredible mood in the locker room between themselves. And that's why it had been so important. I, I think, you know, I, again, I said earlier in the season how difficult it is to win, you know, do the three-peat, three consecutive titles. And it's not until you really feel it. And I think Sir Alex Ferguson said it back in the past. You know, once we get to, is it, was it March time or something like that? That's when, if we can stay within the realms of, of the t- title race, then we can crack on. And that's what these guys do. They've been there. They've seen it. They've done it. You know, Pep Guardiola, you know what I think of him. I think he's amazing. I think the way he's dealt with Kevin De Bruyne this season as well, who wasn't playing brilliant for whatever reason, whether it was a physical or mental thing. And he's got him absolutely on fire at the moment. This is the guy who the moment he leaves Manchester City, whatever the squad they've got, comes back into the pack. So I hope on behalf of Manchester City and certainly on behalf of the Premier League, Pep stays as long as possible. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, what is it about him coming good at this point of the season, every single season? Do you think that when you look back over this era of Pep Guardiola, you will think, uh, not so much in the same way, because it's a completely different beast in terms of um, the overall sort of um, ability and, uh, and phenomenon that is Lionel Messi. But when you think of Pep and Barcelona, you think of Lionel Messi. When you think of Manchester City, will you think immediately of Kevin De Bruyne? I think you have to, you know, I think um, Adrian Durham was tweeting after the game saying that he's criminally underrated. That might be going a bit too far because I think we all know how good he is, but I don't think he's lauded De Bruyne you as kept much as he should be. He's having a bad season. He's got like 30 assists or something. Well, yeah, but he's kicked on another gear. He, he's been fantastic. He had a bit of a hangover after the World Cup and Belgium flunking in Qatar. But About 20 my, minutes. My word, has he come back strong? And, you know, we, we're looking at player of the season. He probably hasn't got a mention because we talked about Haaland for the goals he scored. We talked about Saka and maybe even Erdegaard for the way they've driven Arsenal on. I think De Bruyne has to be part of that conversation. I think he's been absolutely magnificent. And Arsenal have been magnificent as well. Um, but Haaland's uh, got to get it, by the way, Sam. That. Sorry, just on that. You know, I love the way yeah. Saka's played, but Arsenal have fallen away. You can't give it to an Arsenal player now. If That's if. It's like, listen. So this is your footballer head, right? This is the PFA. If you're voting in the PFA award, you're, you're, you're voting for Haaland, are you? Well, this is what I said earlier. We were asked a month or two ago what we'd do. And I said, look, it should always go to the end of the season because you never know what's going to happen. The last four games to Arsenal were a perfect example of that. I said at that particular time, if I had to give it to one, I would give it to Saka. But knowing what we know now and the season's still not finished, you have to give it to a Manchester City player right now. And do you know what? Cookie's actually right, and I don't like saying that, but Kevin De Bruyne hasn't been brilliant the whole season, but he is peaking at just the right time. Haaland has been pretty much superb from start to finish, so he would get my vote right now. 
Okay. All right. So um, we all think. I think. Are we? Are we voting for him? Or is that what we decided? Are we? Uh, are we going with the uh, with, with the striking Viking? Or yeah, we... you've got to go for Haaland. Just good. You know, he's going to shatter every record <laughs> that exists. Um, oh, by the way, so, Cookie. Yeah. Sorry. Can you back me up here? That you two owe me a meal if he doesn't hit fifty Premier League goals. I think Sam owes you no, a meal. Said, no, that's not true. I th- we said fifty. I said we, it's got fifty-five goals over the course of the season, not 50 Premier League Premier League goals. goals. No, he's talking nonsense. We're going to need an independent adjudicator to go back Cookie. on the audio, but I don't believe I was part yeah. of that bet. But I'll accept a meal from whichever one of you loses. Okay, I'm yeah. going to vote while we're on uh, on the podcast. I'm going to vote for uh, footballer of the year. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to do it. It's still early. You never uh, know. Who are you going for? Mikhailo Madrick? No, I'm going to go for Frank Lampard. And no. Uh, Footballer of the Year. Are you ready? Aubameyang. Erling Haaland. I was going to vote for Saka, right? But I just think in terms of the way things have gone, it's got to, it's got, it's got to, be, it's got to be the striking Viking. So I'm going to go Erling Haaland. There you go. I've sent it. You've got it. There you go. That's it. I voted for him. Let's see what happens going forward. Um, right. Okay. Um, let's uh, talk about the uh, relegation race because at the other end of the table, we're no closer to knowing who is going to be um, staying in the Premier League next uh, season. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Uh, we mentioned Southampton against uh, Bournemouth. Next up for Bournemouth is a visit of Leeds on Sunday. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because Bournemouth are in that situation where we all think they're safe, but Gary O'Neill's talking a good game. Leeds certainly aren't safe. Um, so what are we are going to get here, Crook? Well, the onus is on Leeds. And actually, weirdly, I think Bournemouth possibly are a better side away from home at the moment, using their pace on the counter than they are at home. Certainly, that was the case against West Ham last weekend. There's a bit of animosity between these two, actually. It goes a long, long way back, but there was a long time that Bournemouth weren't allowed to play on a bank holiday because Leeds came down and basically trashed the town uh, on a bank holiday Monday. So um, that'll add a bit of feistiness. I I think from Bournemouth... in the 80s, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was. I think Harry Redknapp was the manager at the time. Yeah. So uh, a lot of water has flowed under the bridge, but it was a long time they weren't allowed to play at home on a bank holiday. So <laughs> Leeds, I thought, were okay in patches against Leicester. I think Leicester probably were the better team. So it's tough to call. I don't think Bournemouth will lose. There we go. Um, if Leeds are going to get any joy against Bournemouth, uh, why don't they follow the actual blueprint which will get them goals, Scott, which is taking lots of set pieces? Because Bournemouth can't set, uh, defend set pieces, and that's something that Southampton didn't do on Thursday night. Yeah, do you know what? You know, I covered uh, the game at the Cottage um, last week, and you know, I was really. Dis- I mean, obviously there were two mistakes from Melian, and you can't justify or, or legislate for that. But going forward, they were just so poor. Um, and then the Leicester game, I sort of predicted that they'd win at Ellen Road and the fans would, would would sort of get them through. And obviously, Patrick Bamford's had that chance. And I do hope that even if, if Leeds do go down, and I don't want is Leeds... That, to... Is that a, a fair description, a chance? I mean, I think it, it's bigger than that, isn't it? That That is missing a sitter, isn't it? Uh, it, it I, got, you've got to say it like it is. I think producer Jeremy's desperate to get on here now, isn't he, being the Leeds fan that he is, but... He's chomping at the bit, Absolutely. screaming at screaming at the microphone. I, I listened to Michael Owen talk afterwards and say about how, you know, on his wrong foot and it's come quickly and, and he's absolutely right. But you have to find, again, you have to find a way to bundle that home, even if you can't get it clearly. Of course, it's a massive chance. What I don't particularly want is the people to say, that's the reason why Leeds went down because of one miss that Patrick Bamford had. Don't get me wrong, crucial miss and a crucial game, but a season you never go down over one particular moment. You know, I just, I, I do worry for Leeds. I expected them to get a point at the cottage. I expected them to beat Leicester. And now that Forrest are winning as well, it's not even as if Everton Come can help the them out. So this now, and if you look at their fixture list um, in May, you know, they've got Bournemouth away, which on paper at the moment, doesn't look easy, but, you know, our Bournemouth players now thinking to themselves, we, we kind of have done it. Man City away, Newcastle at home, West Ham away, Spurs at home. Now, we don't know where Spurs are going to be. I don't think they'll be anywhere near the top four come the end of that. That might be the game where they can get all three points. That might be the game that keeps them up. But I think this particular game against Bournemouth, they need to get something out of it, if not a win. Yeah, um, strange things happen, and and Bournemouth may be literally on the beach. Um, mm. What the hell is going on with Wilfred Nonto? Well, let let me tell you. I had a conversation actually after the game on what date was it? When did we go to uh, Leeds? Was that Tuesday? I think it was. Um, after the game at Ellen Road, I uh, I spoke to some people at Leeds United, and I don't think even the hierarchy of Leeds believe. Uh, that there is a good reason to keep Willie Nonto on the bench. I I could only assume that the reason that um, the manager, Javi Grazia, wasn't playing him was because they were trying to protect the asset. And that's not the case. I mean, as far as I understand it, that isn't the case. Uh, no one's told them to, to to do that. He More than available. The crowd can't understand why he's not playing. And certainly some of the hierarchy can't either. And Javi wow. Grazia, actually, who's not going to be the manager when it comes to uh, the summer. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's on this flexible contract, which means they can get rid of him uh, at a stroke. Um, didn't influence the game at all on Tuesday night. Didn't make any substitutions that actively influenced the game. And that was a real problem because, you know, up until 80 minutes, they're, you know, they're in control here. Well, this is the cult of the caretaker again, isn't it? We've mentioned Ruben Sellers. We've, we obviously, exactly, Stellini yeah. has gone. 
from Spurs. It's very difficult to have that authority in the dressing room if the players know that you're only passing by. And I think certainly that's the case at Leeds. Just on Bamford, by the way, did he blame Jesse Marsh for that miss or did he take responsibility himself? I think it was the Glazers' fault. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, uh, Everton have got Leicester on uh, Monday night. That's live on Talk Sport. Um, Everton obviously well beaten. We've mentioned that uh, there's a little bit of disgruntlement with the Everton, um, amongst the Everton supporters, but... If you're not winning at Goodison Park, they're very bad at winning away from home. So getting results on the road is not going to be particularly easy. And actually, do you know what? I can't understand why Leicester are down where they are. I think they could be in trouble of actually being sucked into a relegation because they they sort of almost sort of wandered into it casually. They they don't they don't even believe it themselves because they scored they've scored 15 goals more than Chelsea over the course of the season. They're the top scorers in the lowest half of the table. They have goals but they just cannot defend. Now, Dean Smith will probably get them defending better than they have done over the course of the uh, the season so far. But I'm not sure it's going to be enough. I mean, my three to go down right at this moment in time, and I think I said it to Crook on the, uh, on the phone last night, uh, Southampton, Everton, and Leeds, I think. Did I, is, that what I, is that what I said last night, Crook? You yeah, you did. I think yeah. it was something, something like that. Well, no, no, you went Leeds. Leicester, I think. Did you go Leicester? You might have gone Leeds. You didn't go Forest because yeah, you're, you're still banging that Steve no, I Cooper said Forest drum. Forest won't go down. Forest, Forest won't go down. I've told you. He wasn't Forest crooky. will not go. He Everton, wasn't... Leeds, and Southampton. There you go. That's um, what I've got. A, a week or so ago, he wasn't confident. When we predicted Forest, he had that resignation look. That, you. Yeah, you're probably yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah. I still Listen, can't say it. The, the season, the season is not a linear beast. It takes <laughs> you on a roller coaster ride. It goes up and it goes down. Uh, but I'm telling you now, Nottingham Forest is going to stay up. There's no, there's, I'm honestly, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to stay up now. I've looked at their fixtures. I've studied the form. They're going to stay up. Where, where, got... where are they getting their points then? Bearing in mind they're dreadful they're, away from home. They're going to win through. I'll tell you what, this is a prediction. They're going to get seven more points. So they've got Brentford away. Yeah, they'll get. win that. Southampton win that because they always win away. Yeah. They'll, win, they'll, they'll beat Brentford. Sa- yeah, Southampton at home. They'll probably they'll win, win that. They'll, win, they'll that. win that. Chelsea yeah. away, they'll probably win that. They'll probably win that, yeah. That's nine points. Arsenal at home. They'll lose that. Palace away. Get a point out of that. Ten points they're going to get. They're more than safe. Don't panic. The tricky chip. You're telling me they're going to get a third of the points they've amassed all season in these final run of games. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens at the end of the season. If you never looked at the form at the end of the season, this weird stuff that happens, that's what happens. Because I tell you, this is the situation. Crystal Palace players will be like this. We finish on the final day of the season. They're relaxed. You know, they're playing Arsenal. They've lost out in the title. They're just about hanging on to second. They'll be like, oh, Chelsea. I mean, God, can you imagine going to Chelsea in August is very different to going to Chelsea in May when Chelsea haven't scored a goal for 700 years. Uh, it, you know, and they're starting, you know, by the, by the time we get to that game, it's probably going to be half the youth team playing up front for Chelsea. See, I'm <laughs> going to pitch up at your party on Saturday around about the time the full-time yeah. whistle blows at the GTEC, And I look forward to... Yeah. <laughs> I look forward. I look forward to Forest being two 0 down with a couple of minutes remaining. That's just out of order. I, I, listen, I hope they. I just hope that they do it, Nottingham Forest. It's, I don't like it when uh, um, when Crook's right. So uh, the fact that I mentioned this back in September that I thought Nottingham Forest would stay up, I would. I, I would like it to. I would really like it to happen. I would you know love what? it. You'd just love it for me, not for Steve, not for Steve Cooper, not for Nottingham Forest, not for their fans everywhere. Just for me. I just want it to happen for me. 
Uh, <laughs> I would love him to stay up for Steve Cooper. I really would. And and Forrest. It's a it's an iconic. Club. And Steve Cooper. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I like Steve Cooper as well. But really, it's just it's it's just just for me. Right? That's what I want. <laughs> um, um, now, now listen um, last week we did um, promise that we would have one last big Chelsea chat on the podcast given that they were knocked out of the Champions League little did we know that a week later we'd be having another chat because it looks like they're on the cusp of naming Maurizio Pochettino believe on the subject of Poch that he's the right man for the job. Flick round the corner. Oh, Lucas Mora! He's done it! He has done it! He's won it! Lucas Mora's got a hat-trick! He's out of work. He still loves the club. He feels <laughs> like he's got unfinished business. Pochettino in tears of exhaustion, elation and utter mystery as to how his side have done that. I cannot lie. I, I miss him. I miss him to be in the dugout, in the touchline, uh, sharing with the, with the player, the adrenaline. Pochettino's there. He's in the country. Crikey, I had a glass of champagne with him yesterday, right? He's here. So that tells me, do they really want him or not? Chelsea have held initial talks with the former Spurs boss, Mauricio Pochettino. It says here in my script, little did we know, but I think if I remember rightly, Crook, I did. I mentioned this last week on the podcast. Did I? Did, did we mention it? I think. Did, did we say that Pochettino was going to Chelsea this time last week? I think you we did. did. Didn't we? You, you, to be to be to be fair to you, you said that he was very open to taking the job. He believed they weren't actually that far away from maybe being contenders next season. So we're still waiting for the formal announcement, aren't we? I was told at one stage that could happen by the end of the week, but we're recording this on Friday morning. It's still not been announced, but I think they're pretty close. He's not going to take over before the end of the season, though, is he? No. Well, he's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, I, I, listen, I, I, and we can have a frank conversation if you want, a Frank Lampard conversation, that is. But why would he not want to take over now? You know, it, what's what's this about? Is it about I mean, trying I mean, to make... Do you want something more articulate than because they're rubbish? So then what's the best way to get them to be good next season is to come in now and see what you want rather than judge people in pre-season where there's no pressure. So you don't really know the character of the player. Why not find out about the character of the player when things are going badly right now? And you've got a free hit. You've got an absolute free hit. Isn't it easier to give everyone a clean slate in the summer and say, right, let's start again. Why? You, you know, I'm not, because you wouldn't be seeing them at their best now. There's, there is, there isn't. But that's when you judge a person. That's when, that's when you judge the player when things aren't going well. So you actually got, and actually you, you, that doesn't mean to say just because things are not going well, you're not playing well, you try and mug them off for next season. You get inside their head now. You work over them over the summer psychologically and, and you start the process now. Look, I don't, I would love Frank to, to be in charge at the end of the season and get some wins because I think there's a lot of people who's been very disrespectful to, to him. I think the first game against Wolves, he needed to win. The next three games, the Real Madrid home and away in Brighton. You know, that, that's that's tough. But the bottom line is he needs to find a few wins for, for his own reputation. But in terms of Chelsea, Pochettino should be going in now and judging the players now. And how how do I work on this guy who's going to be here for, in theory, seven or eight also years? Make, doesn't it also make Todd Bowley look a little bit silly if he has to get rid of the yeah. interim head coach that he got 
even a contract at the end of the season too. If he has to then go, no, sorry, I did that wrong. Let's get another. It just looks, it makes him look silly again. And I, I don't think he wants to do that. I think it, he wants to, you know, seamless transition. The season's gone anyway. Don't worry about it. Let's just move on. Let's plan for the and future. And he's not looking silly there, right there now, is, Sam. But yeah, but even more silly. I no, suppose, no, is, no. Is, is he he will look ruthless, which is what Roman Abramovich was. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, producer uh, Jeremy, or as he's well known in the business, uh, Jeremy Frank Lampard hater Fulham, <laughs> um, is uh, sent a, a note in which he says he would like you and I to discuss the uh, the Chelsea fan base who believe that actually Frank Lampard would be a better option than Poch, and they're not happy with this appointment. I, I don't really see that. I mean, I'm happy. I, everyone in my group, my Chelsea group, is pretty happy with it are you happy with it i know where it's coming from um so i was at epsom races with producer deck on tuesday okay and he brought along another chelsea fan friend of his deck's a chelsea fan when woking he looks like dracula what does his mate look like (laughs) frankie but they both said pochettino not for us because of his tottenham connections we'd rather keep lampard and I basically said, go and stand in the corner because you two know nothing about football. I'm not even going to get involved in this conversation. They are, they, they are, they are 15. Well, one of them is 16, <laughs> I think. But it's ridiculous. And, you know, and not so, saying there's anything wrong with being 16. You can be 16 and have a brain, but these two obviously haven't. But that, if any Chelsea I mean, fan that is, is that ludicrous, tribal, but, 15, you know, it, it, 15 it's, pints it's was there. Pointless. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> look, look, again, j- just to finish off the, the Frank, you know, he showed to me in the game against Real Madrid that he does have a very good football brain. We yeah. were all okay, questioning. but answer the question: Would you rather Frank over Poch? I'll come to that one second. He, okay. I thought the tactics were absolutely spot on when all of us, myself included, were questioning the team. And do you know, for sixty minutes, Chelsea had a chance, and if they'd have taken their chances, then who knows what would have happened? It didn't. The results are what they are. People are starting to throw back what happened at Everton. I've mentioned before, six to eight very good managers, including Sean Dyche, who is struggling there now as well. So let's let's not do that. But in terms of Poch versus Frank, with the greatest of respect, how can you not go for Poch? I don't know. I don't don't know. The experience he's got, the, the egos he's managed, the improvements he's made on young players, the exciting team that Tottenham were, He's itching, you know, I'm sure to to get back. And Frank is still learning his trade. It's it's obviously it's potch every time. But again, I repeat, I don't like the disrespect towards Frank. I I, but- I totally agree with you. And I do think there has been too much disrespect towards Frank. But the idea of Pochettino not being used as the Chelsea manager because he has got a connection with Tottenham seems ludicrous to me, bearing in mind yeah. that Chelsea seem to go through managers like 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 I mean, you, I just can't believe how many people have gone through that door. And eventually you're going to run out of managers who, who haven't got a connection to Tottenham. I mean, we had Glenn Hoddle, remember, who sort of started the whole thing uh, in terms of Chelsea's yeah, revival. Absolutely. Uh, and I think he has a pretty big connection with Tottenham Hotspur. Hmm. Uh, and plus, listen, it's about time we took one of theirs because they've been, we've been giving them managers for ages. Come on. Um, I suppose... The, the issue is this sort of the emotional connection and sort of like, you know, is he going to be sort of, you know, still associated with Tottenham? I think if he does well with Chelsea, he'll be associated with... If he wins something with Chelsea, remember, he would have done more at Chelsea than he did at Spurs. So there'll be a, a little bit more of a an attachment there. And plus, let me just tell you something about Maurizio Pochettino. If you're a Chelsea fan and you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, no, I, I'd rather Frank than, than, than Mopo. Listen, 
He's a great football manager. I don't know if he's elite or not, but I, I definitely think he's up there for one of the best managers you can have if you want to be in the top four. Chelsea would crave that right now. He's also an incredibly likable man. And you will you will grow to like him a lot over the course of the amount of time that he spends in the dugout at Stamford Bridge. I promise you that. What's happening with Mason Mount? I've seen uh, Arsenal. Potential destination for him now? Oh, don't don't upset me. Don't upset me. <laughs> don't upset me. Um, okay. Okay, okay, do you want a little inside story here? Here we go. Go on. Um, so I think up until about this time last week, right, it was over. It was over. He was going. He's definitely going. He's off. He's going to, um, I think actually Manchester United are, are, are in the, are in the, in the, in the frame, Arsenal in the frame, Liverpool in the frame. Oh, you would expect those three clubs to be sniffing around, but I heard Manchester United were um, very close. Okay, they were one of the favourites, and uh, it's done. Chelsea, he's, he's finished. He's out the door. It's, it's, it's all over. Um, and then at the end of last week, um, he was summoned upon high. Now I wonder whether or not there's any sort of coincidental timing here that Pochettino agrees to take the job, and then within 48 hours, Mace is getting a little knock on the door and uh, they want to chat about the possibility of, hey, come on, maybe maybe we should give you that huge, nice, fat contract that you, that you deserve. Um, now, immediately after that, he then had an operation you might uh, have seen, which has ended his season, but it means that he will be ready for the start of the new campaign. Now, I... I know that he's been playing with this problem for a little while, which is why he hasn't been able to to get on the pitch, but uh, or not as often as he would like. But I wonder if you put all those things together, the timing of the the, the hierarchy dragging him upstairs for a chat, um, the, the appointment imminently of Maurizio Pochettino, who loves players like him, uh, and the fact that he was then allowed to go and have his surgery before the end of the season, once the the Real Madrid tie was out of the way, sort of points to the fact that Chelsea have now accepted that they should really do everything in their power to keep him at the football club. Now, I think up until last week, over, finished, done. Going forward, Chelsea have definitely made an effort to try and repair that damage and, and at least think about trying or start conversations to get that moving again and, and try and time down. But, and here's the big but, had he already decided to leave? Mm. And if that's the case, he probably feels then, a little bit disrespected. I would, I would absolutely think so, and with every right. Sam, sorry, just off the back of that, and listening to your, to your, you know, exclusive, I understand what you're saying. He probably does feel disrespected, but get over it. What's the best going forward? Is it best to stay at Chelsea with a new manager who you know is going to improve you, and you have that conversation with the manager? If you've signed a contract, then the contract is pretty much binding. So it's not as if the owners are going to turn it around. It was disrespect under a Bowley with a Potter that neither really knew where they were going. Mopo clearly does and has instructed the owners to say, give him what he wants or give him something that he will sign a contract. Is he happy at Chelsea? Does he love the club? Does he see himself playing regularly under the new manager? Can he see the club going places? If all those are yes, forget what's happened in the past. Yeah, uh, well, listen, we can only hope. We can only hope. Uh, let's see what happens with that. We'll follow it closely here. And we'll also follow what happens with the Manchester United takeover. Here we go. Yeah. 
Okay, so I've uh, given you um, what I know about Chelsea. I suppose we should focus on Manchester United now. And Jim Ratcliffe offered the Glazers a chance to keep 20% this week in order to gain favour with the current owners. Uh, what's the latest as far as you understand it, Crook? It won't gain favour with the fans, that's for sure. Um, the, the deadline it, it is... It will, is because it means that you can just keep going around and going, yeah, it's still the Glazers' fault, <laughs> well into the next century. Very good. Uh, the deadline is 10 o'clock on Friday night. As far as I know, there are still only two serious contenders in terms of a full or certainly a majority takeover. That is the Qatari bid. They're still committed to buying 100% of the football club. They're not interested in minority investment. And Sir Jim Ratcliffe, as you say, is going to tweak the terms of his bid, we understand, so that Joel and Avram Glazer can stay on. There's always been this power struggle in the Glazer family. I think there's six siblings who have shares in the football club. Joel and Avram have always wanted to maintain some kind of stake. The rest of the family are just keen to get shot at the football club and move on. So that would make the Jim Ratcliffe offer attractive, I think, to Joel and Avram. But then you've got the offers from various hedge funds to come in and almost just go down the refinancing route. So ultimately, I think it will depend how big the Qataris are willing to go. If they get near the six billion mark that we know the Glazers want, I think they'll be tempted. If not, I think that Joel and Avram will stay on in some capacity. Quickly, can, can I ask a question? When it's quite obvious, not just your good self, but pretty much every Manchester United fan hates the Glazers, why is Jim Ratcliffe still wanting to include them? Does it feel like it's a bit of a PR disaster in that sense? Or is it that actually five or six bill just can't be done for him? Well, there's, yeah, there's two schools. One is that I've always been told by people close to it that maybe Sir Jim Ratcliffe's pockets aren't quite deep enough for a full takeover. And secondly, if Joel and Avram are really digging their heels in and saying, no, we don't want to sell the whole football club, then this is probably the only way that he can get his hands on the keys to the kingdom. Okay. And you mentioned about the uh, the size of the, the bid. Uh, over the course of the last year, that, that has gone through the roof. And then other NFL franchises have been sold for a huge amount of money. The, uh, they were called at one stage the Washington Redskins, but they're now called the Washington something else. I can't remember what their name is. They changed it because uh, obviously that was an offensive term. And they didn't, um, they, they, they sort of, they, 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 oh, what's their name now? I can't remember what it is. The Washington... Ah, oh, I can't remember, but the NFL football team that comes from Washington, anyway, um, they were sold two or three weeks ago for something like nearly six billion quid. So obviously, if that sort of franchise is going for that sort of price, then that's why the Glazers are trying to drive the cost up further and further and further and further and further. Um, I, I do think, though, like you know, if Joel and Avram are so desperate to keep hold of it, why don't they just buy the other Glazers out? If it, you know go into partnership with someone and just buy 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 someone out. Well, I think that's another option. They, and, and if the American hedge fund do. comes in, then that will probably be what will happen. I think next week we should get a bit more definitive, but it's dragged on for too long. As, it's, as I said before, it's become an X-factor audition. Is to get everything in place for the transfer window? Well, I don't know if it changes much, their transfer plans, because they've got FFP concerns anyway. Um, I think they'll go big for a centre-forward. I think they will bid for Harry Kane. But beyond that, I think they're going to have to sell players anyway in order to to bring in additions that Eric Ten Hag wants. I think Anthony Martial's days are numbered. Thank heavens. There's 12 Uh, players that are going to leave in the summer, I think. Harry Maguire, even Scott McTominay, who I quite like, and I think Eric Ten Hag likes as a squad player. If they can get a few quid for him, I know Newcastle are king, then I think that will probably happen. Then you've got the likes of Eric Bailly, Tellez, you know, both to come back from their loans. They need to be sold. Phil Jones' contract is finally up. (laughs) Thank the Lord. 
Um, <laughs> David De Gea's contract's up as well, you know. Yeah, and that's rumbling on. Um, I don't think his form of late has necessarily helped him too much in terms of negotiations, that horror show <sighs> against Sevilla. Oh, come on. He's made some big saves he has. as well. He has. No, but Sam... I, I just, think he'll stay, but I think he'll stay on reduced terms. Just the, on the that... The problem with Dead Hayer is he doesn't suit Eric Ten Hag's system. Absolutely. Because Ten Hag demands a keeper that can play out the back with his feet, and he's never been able to do that. Absolutely. You know, you go back to the start of the season, that Brentford game, and Eric Ten Hag was very clever. He said, right, I can't play the, the way I want to play and the way my philosophy is. And, you know, if he keeps De Gea then he has to go against his, his natural instincts. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Okay. Um, remember, Saturday is game day, and Crystal Palace versus West Ham gets us underway at twelve thirty. At two thirty, we'll take you round the grounds. Adrian Durham's presenting from Plymouth's home park for all the goals as they go in the Premier League and the EFL, including Brentford against Nottingham Forest. Come on, the tricky trees and Brighton against Wolverhampton Wanderers and Sheffield United who celebrated promotion this week back to the Premier League. We've got the Blades coming back, uh, which is good news. Um, into the Premier League next season at Bramall Lane. Uh, three o'clock, Brentford against Nottingham Forest is on Talk Sport 2. On Sunday, uh, I'll be taking you round the grounds with um, Perry Groves. I can't even, it's got you involved in that? I can't even remember if you're involved. No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm very Charlton no. heavy this weekend, actually, doing, doing oh, yes, you're Charlton. their game and then the player of the year on Sunday. And then uh, Monday night, we've got Leicester against Everton. A massive, massive game. Tuesday night, Scott and I will be at Arsenal against Chelsea uh, for that match as well. But before then, we will have another podcast. Uh, That will drop for you on uh, Monday afternoon. Crook and I will be doing it in the same place. We'll sit on the same sofa and record a podcast together. Um, Stinking of booze and pizza and maybe curry after a weekend of debauchery in Manchester. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, the podcast is available on the TalkSport app and so all the commentaries too so make sure you download it for free. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.